about serving the community and being involved in the community, it, it reminded me it reminded me of a story that I had read about a number of years ago. Uh, in Segovia, Spain, there's an aqueduct there that for 1,800 years brought water from the mountains down to the people for 60 generations. Now, after 60 generations, the 61st generation said, we, we have a monument here. We need, to, we need to let people know about it, but, but we need to modernize as a city as well. And so they quit using the aqueduct, and they began to use pipes. They diverted water through the pipes into the city. But, but here's what's interesting. What 1,800 years of service could not do, just about three to four years of inactivity did. The aqueduct, when it was put out of use, began to fall apart. And I, and I began to think about the church and its Christians, and I believe the, the same thing is very true with us. If we ever get to a point as, as a church, and when I talk about church, I'm talking about people. If, if we ever get to a point as Christians where we are no longer involved in the mission that God has called us to, and we're no longer involved in engaging our culture and engaging in people's lives, then what we see happen is what I believe what we're seeing happening now. We begin to see our, our values and our beliefs. They begin to crumble away because we're not putting them into practice. And, and so the question is, well, how do we remain effective as a church, and specifically as Village Church, in engaging our culture? And, and we've talked about how we're doing that and how we're going to continue to do that in our campuses. And today and, the, and next week we're talking about how we're going to do that in our community. And I believe the best way to engage our community is very simply through serving. And so today in our passage of scripture, we're going to see an example of some Christians who were serving. In one of the most famous passages of scripture in the Bible, it's in Matthew 14, verse number 13. It is about the story about the feeding of the 5,000. Now Jesus performed that miracle, but Jesus used his people in order to serve and to minister. And so we're going to look at the story in the Bible today, and what we're going to do is we're going to see what it takes for our church, for believers, to serve our community well. That is one of the reasons why we are here. And it's one of the reasons why we are going to place our focus as a church on our community. So that's why we'll look at Matthew 14. Now I just, I want to, before we get into Matthew 14, I want to share with you some interesting events about this story. Uh, the story of the feeding of the 5,000 is found in all four Gospels. Okay, so you all help me out here. Four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. All right, yes, so it makes me feel better. So we, that's the Gospels. It's, it's found in all four of the Gospels. Now, in one of the Gospels that it's mentioned in, uh, this one, uh, the previous verses, what had happened is Jesus had sent his ministers, his disciples out to serve the community. And so they went out, and, and, and they spoke in the name of Jesus. They didn't just go out and do nice little things for people. They, they talked about Jesus. They served people. Uh, we're told what their experience was like in Matthew or Mark 6, 12, and 13. It says, so they went out, and they preached that people should repent. And they were driving out demons, anointing many sick people with olive oil and healing them. And that's pretty impressive stuff right there. I mean, they're, they're preaching, they're telling people to repent, they're healing people, they're pointing out the right way to live. But Jesus had more for these men to do, and we see what he wanted them to do in this story. 
In the story, we're told that Jesus fed 5,000 people. Now, when, when you add in women and children, the crowd was probably at least 15,000 people. And Jesus told his 12 disciples, he said, I want you guys to feed them. Now, that is, that is a big, would you say that's a big task? I mean, 12, the funny thing, too, is it's 12 guys. I mean, you know, if it's me, I'm like looking for ramen noodles. So God's like, okay, Jesus is like, 12 guys, I want you to serve them. It's a huge task. Guys, Jesus today has a huge task for Village Church. He has a huge task for all believers. Now, what's our huge task? It, it is to feed and to serve, to spiritually feed our community. So the question is, what's our community? Do you know in Blythewood 29016, about, about 20,000 people. You know whose, whose responsibility is to minister, to serve, and to communicate Jesus with them? It's ours. Bill's church. Now, whenever you add in 29229, that, that's what, that includes what, Lake Carolina? How many people live in Lake Carolina? Like, like a million? I mean, it's just like his own little town. When you include that, you include the sum. Yo, we're looking at another 50,000 people. Our community, Jesus has called in our church gathering, whenever we have our three services, over 800 people gather together, and Jesus tells us in Scripture, I want you to feed, to spiritually feed your community. And I look at that and I think, how in the world can we do that? How can Village Church serve our community well? Well, here's the good news. The Bible tells us. So how can we serve our community well? Well, if we're going to serve our community well, it starts with us being aware of our surroundings. Village we need to be aware of our surroundings if we're going to serve well. Now, this is what we see in verses 13 through 15. It says, And when Jesus heard about it, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. And when the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. And as he stepped ashore, he saw a huge crowd, felt compassion for them, and healed their sick. And when evening came, the disciples approached him and said, Man, this place is a wilderness. It's already late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Now, if you go back to verse number 13, it says, And when Jesus heard about it. Now, the question is, what had Jesus just heard about? Well, if you read in the preceding verses, what he had heard about is that his cousin, John the Baptist, had just been executed. You all remember that story? They cut John's head off because he was preaching... He's preaching truth. And so they killed him. And so when Jesus heard this, Jesus got in a boat, and he's going to go across the Sea of Galilee, basically just simply to be alone, to be able to mourn. But as he was going across the sea, the townspeople found out Jesus was on the boat, and they began to follow Jesus' boat around the shoreline. And y'all, it wasn't like it wasn't like seven, eight stragglers. It turned out to be around fifteen thousand people following the boat. Okay, so I'm thinking, I know if I get on a boat and go somewhere, people ain't following me. So, so what's the deal with Jesus? Well, there's something special about him. You see, they saw Jesus, they saw what he had done. They, Jesus was an incredible teacher. They said he taught as one who had authority. He was totally different than everybody else. We're, we're told in another passage of Scripture that there was a man whose arm had been withered, and Jesus walked over to him, and he touched the man's arm, and the man's arm was immediately healed. Now, when people started seeing stuff like that, the, the Bible says they went out, and they got their sick friends, said, you got to see this guy, he can heal you. 
So people wanted to be around Jesus. They wanted to see what he could do. So they began to follow Jesus around. I mean, we're told in Matthew 12, 15, huge crowds followed him and he healed them, it says, all. People were hungry for an encounter with God. And so it's in this backdrop, so Jesus is on the boat, his cousins died, he sees a huge crowd following him, it says he got off the boat, when he looked at the people, the Bible says he felt compassion for them. Now, it, it doesn't say that Jesus got off the boat and was irritated at them. It doesn't say that he got off the boat and looked at him and said, man, you gotta be, giving, you gotta be kidding me, give me a break, my cousin just died. It says he had compassion on them. The word compassion, it means he pitied them. It means that he was moved to his very core because he saw their needs. He saw they were people who were hungry, who were desperate, and who needed healing. Jesus recognized the need. The disciples recognized it. You know, I mean, first of all, they recognized there was a crowd. Now, I know that doesn't take a whole lot. I mean, if you get off a boat and there's 15,000 people there, that's going to be pretty easy to recognize. But at least they recognized it. They, they saw what was going on. Not only did they recognize the, the huge numbers of people, but they also recognized something very, very important later on in the day. They recognized the people were hungry. Now, later on, they went on to tell Jesus, hey, Jesus, these people are hungry. Now, the way they wanted to solve the problem is they're like, Jesus, you need to send them away so they can get back home and uh, get something to eat. Because otherwise, y'all, 15,000 people that are hungry, it's not going to be a good crowd. So they're like, we, we need to go ahead and move them on. Now, we're not going to talk about that right now. We'll talk about that later. But the disciples, they, rec they recognize the need. Now, here's the deal. As a church, as, as Christians, if we are going to serve our community well, we've got to know the needs, right? We've got to know what the people are hungry for so that we're going to be able to feed them and so that we can effectively minister to them. And, and it's, not, it's not until we recognize needs that we're going to be aware of, of what our role is in the community. You know, I, I think of it like a doctor. If a doctor is going to serve a patient well, what, is, what does he have to know? To know his needs. You know, he, you know, it makes a big difference. If somebody comes in and they just are, you know, if they have a cold or if they have you know, anthrax, I mean, you know, that's going to make a difference in how you're going to treat them, right? You've you got to know their needs. Now, let me share with you an example. There was a doctor in the early 1900s. His name was Dr. O'Neill Kane. He was a surgeon. And he had discovered that whenever they did surgery, they would always use a general anesthetic. I mean, they'd put you out. didn't matter what kind of surgery you're having, you're going you're gonna to go under. Well, he, he discovered or he believed that a local anesthetic for some surgeries would be better for your health. You know, that's when you're, you're, you're not completely under, you're sort of awake during the surgery. And so it sounded really good. People understood general anesthesia that, you know, especially back then, it was hard to administer it, you know, like perfectly. And so uh, people were like, that's a great idea, but here's the problem. Nobody wanted to volunteer for the surgery. And a couple pretty easy reasons why. One is, what if it doesn't work? Uh, two, you know, what if you get a local anesthesia and you're undergoing surgery, and then halfway through the surgery, it quits working? Okay, any of y'all having surgery real soon? Keep that in mind. All right, so that, those are sort of the thoughts that were going through their minds. And so uh, Dr. Kane couldn't, couldn't get any volunteers until 1921. There was a man that needed to have an appendectomy. 
So he came in, he said, I'll take the local anesthetic. So he performed the surgery on him, brought the patient in, he, he, you know, he, he cut the man open, he ex excised the uh, appendix, sewed him back up. The guy said during the surgery that he just simply had minor discomfort. He was able to, he recovered well, he's able to go home after, after a couple of days. Okay, the, the two things that make this surgery unique is one, it's the first time a local anesthetic was used. Number two is the patient was Dr. Kane himself. He, he operated on himself. Now, nobody, everybody's like, that's a great idea, but until he got involved, th th there was no change. But whenever he got involved and showed what could happen, all of a sudden, everybody was like, that could be a good idea. Now, folks, for us to have knowledge of the community and what its needs are, it's going to require us to be a part of the community. That's why in our church, that's why we want to engage community as much as we can. I mean, how do we do that? Well, yeah, we are a part of the community. That's why in our V group ministries, why we meet in homes throughout the community, so that, so that we get to know who our neighbors are. Now, that's why we, we do events all throughout, all throughout our community, so that we can have the opportunity just simply to be out among the people that we live with, so that they get to know us and we get to know them. So if we're going to serve well, it begins with something very simple. It's being aware of your surroundings. But also, if we're going to serve well, it requires this. It's going to require our involvement. Serving well requires our involvement. Verse 16. Jesus said, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, it's one thing to recognize a need. It is totally different to do something about it. I don't know how y'all are. Y'all, I can point out a need just like that. I, I can point out problems just like that, but it's a totally different thing when I get involved. Now, the disciples, they recognize the need. They said, we need to do something about this. And now their solution was, send them home. You know, and a lot of times when we, see, when we see needs, it's real easy to say, yeah, I see that need right there. Let somebody else deal with that. Let somebody else handle that. Now, I can recognize needs, but if there's going to be change, it involves me getting involved. Look at what Jesus told the disciples. They said, hey, Jesus, these people are hungry. Jesus said this. He said, the people don't need to leave. Now, did Jesus say that because he was blind to the people's needs? Nope. Because Jesus followed up that sentence with this one. He said, the people don't need to leave. You give them something to eat. In other words, Jesus was saying, there's a need, you get involved. There's a need, you go out and serve. Now, remember... 15,000 people. How many disciples are there? Twelve. Twelve of them. Twelve guys, 15,000 people. I recognize the need, but there's only 12 of us. You know, so many times when we see needs, one of the first things that's very easy to do for, for the church, for Christians, for me, is simply to begin to make excuses. There was a huge predicament here, and Jesus said, I've called you to meet the need, to be involved. Calling is still true today. Jesus has called us, Village Church specifically, to meet the need. Now, I can point out problems. That's, I told you all that before. I'm good at that. I, we used to have a DE agent that came to our church before he was transferred to Washington, D.C. I remember talking to him. I said, hey, tell me, what is, the, what is one of the biggest problems that you deal with as a DEA agent in Columbia? You know what he told me? Number one problem, heroin. Man, you gotta be kidding me, Columbia. Uh, I was married to a teacher for—I'm still married to her. She was a teacher 
in Blythewood for 10 years. And, uh, but when she was teaching, it was not unusual to hear, to hear stories from her talking about home life, the home lives of, of many of the children. And just some of, the, some of the needs and some of the problems that were there. I have talked to countless people in the, in the church, in the community, and look at their marriages. I mean, their marriages are in shambles. And it's so easy to step back and say, nothing can be done. That's just the way it is. We live in a sick world. It is hopeless. And y'all, it is hopeless. I will tell you right now, the shape this world is in today, it is hopeless. Unless God's people get involved. It is a hopeless world unless God's people do something. What's, what's Jesus called us to do? You know what Jesus called us to do? He's called his people, he's called Village Church, to be a light in the world. That's what Jesus said, we're told in Matthew 5, 14 and 15. And speaking to Christians, he said, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. So who are we? We are a light. Where does a light shine best? Anybody? Where it's dark, right? So if, if Billichers is going to be a light, what is the implication here? If we're going to be a light, then we have to go into the dark world. And we have to go into the dark world and serve. And y'all, let me tell you something. We, we can't shine. Billishers cannot shine. Christians cannot shine unless they are involved in the darkness. Unless they're willing to serve. Now, if God's glory and power and strength are going to invade our world, then his people must enter into the world and shine. How do we shine? Loving people. We shine by serving. We shine by telling the truth. The truth. Not, not living according to what culture says. Not living according to what culture says is right. Living according to what God's word says is right. That is being a light in this world. And if I'm a light, you know what I've discovered? If we are a light unto the world, people are attracted to the light. Now, I'm not saying everybody is. You know, some people squint and turn away from it. But there are people who look to the light because it gives a path. It gives guidance. Now, I, I, there's a story about this lady that she, she loved to go to the circus, and she'd bring her kids. And she said one time she went there, and she had her, her sons with her. And she said the clowns were hilarious. And yeah, I'm not talking about clowns today. Yeah, I'm talking about the clowns at the circus. So they're, they're having a great time. And she said one clown got finished, and he had a big flourish, took his hat off, and threw it up in the air, and it landed on the ground. And he was going over to pick it back up for the next part of his act. He said an elephant walked over and sat on his hat. And she said that the clown got frustrated. And he walked over and he tried to you know, grab the hat, but the elephant wouldn't move. And so he began to shove on it. And it just sat there. And you know, the show's still going on. So the guy, he's getting frustrated and the lights kind of move off of him. She kept watching that clown. She said he started yelling at it, yelling at the elephant. And then he, she said he was kicking at the elephant. And the elephant just sat there. And the guy just was disgusted and frustrated. And he walked over and he sat down by himself. And he pulled out a bag of peanuts and started eating. And when he was eating the peanuts, the elephant got up and walked over to him and started begging for a peanut. And the clown was able to walk back and get his hat. Now she said, here's the, she said there's a lesson in this story. She said, you, you can claw and you can crab and you can scream and be frustrated at the world. She said, but you will never change the world until you give the world what it's hungry for. 
What's the world hungry for? It's Jesus. And they might not know it, but when they see Jesus in action through us, oh, it, cha- it changes things. So, so how, how can we serve our community well? What does it take? Well, it takes being aware of your surrounding, surroundings. It takes our involvement. But then here's the last thing. To serve well, it's the most important thing. It takes Jesus. If we're going to serve well, it takes Jesus. Verse number 17. The disciples are so pragmatic. Jesus says, I want you to feed these people. The disciples say, we only got five loaves and two fish here. Jesus said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and two fish, and looking up into heaven, he blessed them, and he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate and was filled. Then they picked up 12 baskets full of leftover pieces. Now those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. I, I love this part of the story. It's my favorite part of the story. And the reason why I like this story so, so much is because Jesus had called the disciples to feed 15,000 people. And the disciples are just like we are. You want us to feed them? We got five loaves of bread and two fish. What's that going to do? And y'all, the fish, they were sardines. That's what they were. So what, what does Jesus say? The most important words in this whole text. Bring them to me. Bring what? Bring the five. Bring what you have. And you might look at what you have and say, I ain't got much, Lord. I'm just a regular guy. I'm just like a normal woman. Nothing supernatural or powerful about me. Jesus says, bring what you got to me. And they brought the five loaves and the two fish to Jesus. What did Jesus do? He fed 15,000 people. He didn't just feed them, y'all. There were 12 leftover baskets that the disciples picked up. Why did that happen? It happened very simply because they took what they had and they gave it to Jesus. Now, now here's the thing that's interesting to me. We can do, when we talk about serving, we can do the first two parts very easily. We, We can recognize needs and we can decide to get involved. But if you leave out number three, if you leave out Jesus, it's all for naught. And I think that's where many of us as, as churches, as Christians have gone. We're going to be nice. We're going to, we're going to serve. And we do those things and we wonder, why is there no power? Why is there no change? I'll tell you why. There ain't no Jesus. And if we don't put what we have into the hands of Jesus, we will not see transformation. You want, you want to know why we serve at Village Church? You know, when we do Lake Carolina, while we did balloons and tunes, we have hot air balloons, we had games for kids, and there was food out there for everybody, and we were able to fellowship with people. Yeah, and those are nice things to do. But what we are seeking, when we did post-game at the high schools, 600 high schoolers showed up. Okay, when we do those things, why are we doing that? Because we serve because we want to win the opportunity to tell those people about Jesus. You see, whenever you serve in the name of Jesus, people wonder, want to know why. And it gives, us, it gives us inroads into the lives of people as we serve them. And then we want to follow up with the message of why we are serving. Because we serve a God who is a risen Savior, who came, who lived, who died, who rose from the grave. And he came for you to change your life, to give you hope forever. That's why we serve. 
We don't serve just to serve for fun. Now, it is fun. But we serve with a purpose. We serve because Jesus served. Here's what the Bible says about Jesus. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When we serve, y'all, we are serving with a purpose. And that purpose is to win the opportunity to share Jesus. We've seen it happen. We've seen that. We've seen as, as we've served, we've seen people who say, why did you serve? Well, because let me tell you about the Jesus that we follow. We've had people who've come into the worship service. They said, because of what you did in the community, we wanted to come here because we were just sort of curious why, why you would be willing to do something for us. We've seen young people because of our youth ministry, as our youth ministry goes out into the schools and our student ministry into the, into the schools as well, where they have come in order to hear Matthew and Amy talk about Jesus. Why did they come to hear, hear that message? Because we served with a purpose. You see, whenever we serve, it knocks down barriers that stand between people and God. And you and I and this church have been commissioned to serve. If we're going to change culture, if we're going to engage culture, we serve. So how do we serve well? Be aware of your surroundings. Be involved. And then finally, involve Jesus. Anytime you put anything into the hands of Jesus, he will take it and he will multiply it and do more than you can ever dream or imagine. And we say, well, what can I do? Well, here's the good news. There are places to serve. There are things to do here. I've talked about Lake Carolina. You might think, is that really that big of a deal? Y'all, I cannot tell you how many people have come into the church and have discovered Jesus because of Halloween. How weird is that? But that's what happens when you serve. So, so after the service, wait, you want to you know a place where you, can, where you can connect with community, engage community? Go to the table with pumpkins. Uh, that, that's, that's not it. We've talked about one of our big C's here at this church is going to be community. There's community events we do all throughout the year, things we do to serve people. We have a community table right back here. You walk out, you can go to the community table, and they have a list of some things. And it's not everything, a list of some things where you can look and say, you know what, I'd like to serve there. I'd like to engage community here. Sign up. Sign up. Not, not serving to make yourself feel better. Serving with a purpose. We are serving so that people's hearts will be open to Jesus who came to serve you and me so that he could give his life as a ransom for many. What are we going to be about at Village Church? I can tell you right now, we're going to be about campuses, young people. We're going to be about our community. What's going to happen? I'm not real sure, but I know that it's bigger than what I think and what you think. When God gets involved, he multiplies. I'm ready to see some multiplication. I'm ready to see some change. You want to see this world be better? You want to see people treat each other with respect and kindness? Christians, it begins with us. As we serve and we love people and share the good news, as we tell the truth. The truth.